0: Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show featuring a terrific stable of guest commentators who have everything important to say about all of the important realities going on around us that are being covered up by the wild fever dreams of the mainstream propaganda machine. I'm Kevin Barrett, and with me is one of our all-time great False Flag Weekly News commentators who hasn't been with us for a while, but she's back! She's back! Helen Vyniski. Hey, welcome, Helen. How are you? Hey there.
1: Good to be here.
0: Great to have you back. Okay. Well, the world hasn't gotten any less crazy since you were last on the show, that's for sure. Uh, and I don't even know where to start, but I guess we'll start by saying that we question everything. That's our obligatory disclaimer every week. We tell you that we question everything. And we also tell you that if you're easily disturbed by questioning, then you probably are watching the wrong show. And then finally, we tell you that we're not medical doctors. So when we tell you that the vaccines will to make you shrivel up and turn into a, a little desiccated toad. Uh, don't believe us because we don't have MDs behind our names. I'm a, a doctor of, uh, of languages and literature. Oh boy, that's pretty pathetic. Okay, moving on to the week's news. Our theme this week is uh, the COVID idiots have turned into Ukraine idiots. Helen, is, is that just kind of too obvious?
1: Well, no, I mean, unfortunately, it's pretty blatant. I mean, there was even some Canadian survey that they found the overlap between people who believe vaccinations should be mandatory and the people who believe we should be going to war in Ukraine are overlapped like something like 80%. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the uh, the polls proved it. I, I think I actually wrote a piece about that for American Free Press, wondering whether there was something in the vaccines that was making people uh, really stupid and then answering my own question. No, they were really stupid before. That's why but I got the vaccines in the first
1: place. Correlation does not equal causation, as they exactly. say.
0: Exactly. You got it. So let's move on to our wonderful stories of the week. First story on this day in history, Uh, was it the 19th, I think? The detonation in the Murrow Federal Building in Oklahoma City uh, back in the the mid-90s under Clinton set the stage for 9-11? Really? That's what Jeremy Kuzmurov is saying in Covert Action Quarterly. Now, coincidentally, Helen, just before this email arrived in my box, actually the day before, a well-placed friend in Washington, D.C., who brushes... Elbows with some of the high movers and shakers, and has been trying to sneak a little bit of 9/11 truth into high places for years and years and years. Uh, emailed me and said, "Hey, have you ever had Jeremy Kuzmrov on your show? Uh, I wonder what he thinks about 9/11. Do you think he knows?" And I said, "I don't know." And then the next day, boom! This arrives in the in the, in the inbox. And here's Jerry, Jeremy Kuzmrov wondering, quote, could the detonation of a super bomb in the Murrah Federal Building have provided a blueprint for the destruction of the World Trade Center buildings on 9-11? So I think Jeremy is hip to 9-11 truth. What do you think?
1: I think that's a pretty obvious. I mean, if he's posing the question in that manner and begging the question, basically, uh, although does black flag operation, does he mean false flag operation? I, I, that's not yeah, really is a he, he talking about
0: like a nineteen eighties punk band or something? Huh? Yeah, I'm
1: not know what a Black Flag operation is, but it seems like he's in the right direction. Let's say.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah, he's, and actually the article is a really good summary of so many of these uh, amazing facts about the world, or sorry, the the uh, Murrah Center uh, bombing, that. Um, have been forgotten over the years. Yeah, this it's, one
1: has basically been memory hold because everybody focuses on nine eleven since that's like the one that really well, that this is the dress rehearsal for that one. So,
0: and, and the dress rehearsal aspect seems that in both cases you had uh, kind of these plausible patsies who were set up. We're all supposed to hate the domestic right wing extremists uh, with regard to the Oklahoma City bombing, and then we're supposed to hate the radical Muslims with regard to nine eleven. In both cases, the ostensible patsies did the damage with something that really couldn't do the damage like you can't really blow up that building with a rider uh thing full of anfo and a truck and you can't destroy the entire world world Trade Center complex and have three skyscrapers. three towers two planes right with with two planes full of jet fuel i mean in both cases so i think OKC was like, hey, can we just totally blow this building up and then preposterously claim that this this little truck bomb did it? And if we can do that, maybe we can blow up the World Trade Center and preposterously claim that two airplanes did it.
1: Yep, that's pretty much, that sounds like their line of thinking. And unfortunately, it's like you you don't even need to have any sort of understanding of the laws of physics. It's two buildings, I mean, two planes, three buildings.
0: Talking, and speaking of monstrous provocations, and this OKC bombing was a monstrous provocation. It killed uh, a huge number of kids in the daycare center. And the ATF knew all about it ahead of time and kept almost all of their agents out, except for the ones who weren't mobbed up. Uh, it was horrific. And 9-11 was even more horrific. And it was designed to do something even more horrific than that, which was to slaughter millions and millions of people all over the world. Well, uh, Ukraine is seeing monstrous provocations. The 2014 coup d'etat was a monstrous provocation. And now Moscow... You know, that is, the Russian defense ministry is warning us of yet another monstrous provocation from the usual suspects. They say that on Orthodox Easter Sunday, which is coming up in a few days, that there's a plan to shell the Orthodox churches in southern and eastern Ukraine and blame Moscow. Uh Helen, would you put that past them?
1: Not at all. I mean, these people are capable of pretty much anything. And, and speaking of like, uh, th- things that don't make any sense. I mean, they've, they've staged all of these atrocities and tried to pin it on Russia, even though there's no logical way that some of these things would be even possible. Like the Bucha massacre where the Russians had left two weeks before and there are these bodies that were killed like a few days ago. And they're saying, Oh, yes, the Russians did it. And what they were m- miraculously preserved in meat freezers or something. Like it just doesn't make sense. And so yeah, this, I I can imagine them uh, trying to pull this off, even though the Russian defense ministry has put it out there that, hey, we know you're going to do this because since uh, the U.S. and Europe have completely cut off all Russian sources of news, uh, there's not a lot of ways that uh, we can expect to get this to the people who would be responsible for coming up with the culprit. So it's it's unfortunate because uh, this is – yeah, this will, this will be the, the big atrocity of, of the week, the, the atrocity of the week club. I've come to calling it because they, they have, they do these things. They make really obvious, like, uh, mistakes or leave their signature on it or are really sloppy. And then when people start digging into the thing, they have to do another one because it, the last one got found out. So this is like after the, we have the, the missile hitting the train station later, but, um, yeah. That yeah, I wouldn't the, put this past them at all.
0: <laughs> that, that's the strategy of fleeing forward. Uh and and in Veterans Today, uh this just today I think they came out with some videos of apparently Ukrainian soldiers arranging the corpses in bucha for the cameras, dragging yeah. them around in the streets. Yeah, they so, had
1: like they had like uh strings on them and they claimed it was testing for IEDs. Like, easy. yeah, really that that's that doesn't make any sense.
0: Oh Cut. boy. So here they got caught in uh Kremorsk as well. Uh, Scott Ritter wrote up this excellent piece analyzing what really happened there. We're all told the evil Russians just blew up a train station for no particular reason with this Tachka-U missile that was retired from the Russian arsenal back in, was it 1992 or so, a long time ago anyway. The Ukrainians ha- have had it much more recently. Now, where did that missile really get fired from? Well, according to Scott Ritter, he says that if you, if you analyze the, uh, the way it fell, it had to have come from uh, the only, Ukrainian Tachka U equipped unit, which was based in Proyola or Dobropolya, 45 kilometers from Kremorsk. And that unit is under the top Ukrainian command. It's Ukrainian Ground Forces Command uh, special unit, the 19th Missile Brigade, which is a strategic asset. So now we know who did it, but somehow we're not reading about it in the New York Times.
1: Yeah, well, this is what I mean by the atrocity of the week club. I mean, that, that Scott Ritter did a very good job of pointing out exactly how and why we know where this missile came from. And while, again, the average American is not going to be able to read about it, given that their news sources are consciously limited to the most narrow uh, interpretations of mainstream neoliberal xiofascist uh, thought um or lack thereof, uh it's yeah no no one's going to be able to to read about this they're just going to say oh isn't that terrible yeah war crimes but the people who do matter are not going to uh that they're going to start asking the, the wrong questions and that's why we have to have another one
0: and interestingly, it's Russia that's actually calling for war crimes investigations of this to try to get to the bottom of what really happened. Scott Ritter says if that ever does happen, the serial numbers will give this away because the serial yes. numbers are still there. We have the serial numbers. And so it'll be easy to prove whose arsenal this was really in. And we all know who that will be. But by then they will have done a whole bunch of more uh, horrendous provocations and false flags. So we will have forgotten all about this one. Oh, well. So speaking of horrendous deeds, uh, how about the treatment of journalists? Ukraine has been slaughtering journalists, and we'll be getting into uh, Gonzalo, Gonzalo Lira in just a moment. But this idea that we're the free world, and we're fighting Russia because Russia is authoritarian, and they mistreat their journalists, but we don't. We're very nice to our journalists is kind of ridiculous, given that Assange is just about to be extradited after he's been, uh, shall we say, pretty shabbily uh, treated uh, simply for being a journalist. Uh, so uh I don't know, Helen, do you do you feel safe as an alternative journalist in the West? I, I'm not entirely sure that I do. Yeah, I
1: never felt less safe, honestly. I mean, the fact that they've basically done everything but make what I do illegal, um, it's very disturbing. And yeah, what, what, what likely happened to Gonzalo Lira is very disturbing. I mean, the, the fact is that Ukraine has had this thing called Murad Vorets, which if you translate it, it's peacemaker um it, it's a, a a basically a site where they dox uh journalists and other people who they believe are sympathetic to the russian cause now this might be something so minor as like having appeared on a russian television station or uh speaking russian or uh that lately they've been running around asking people to pronounce some ukrainian word for bread and if you can't do that they like tie you to a post like those you've seen those these images of people like stripped half naked and tied to posts like it's it's really ridiculous but um yeah they they um they ha- they feel no compunctions about mass murdering journalists over there and they've been killing quite a lot of them so uh, unfortunately the us is just as they are learning a lot from nato training the azov battalion and everything So are NATO learning a lot from them in terms of, oh, yeah, by the way, we can just dox all of these journalists and then uh, somebody else will come along and kill them because we don't want to get our hands dirty. And uh, we know that there are plenty of armed goons roaming the streets out there who would like nothing more than to make Uncle Sam proud.
0: And we'll get into the way that the Daily Beast uh, doxed and basically fingered uh, Gonzalo Lira for assassination in, in a moment. But the context is beautifully sketched out here in this Max Blumenthal article. I've got kind of mixed feelings about some of Max Blumenthal's work. He's been pretty bad on 9-11, and he had a feud with Gilad Atzman that I kind of like. Gilad, you know, as a personal friend. And so I had to sort of side with him, but Max Blumenthal and yeah, for all of his con- dubious connections and his dad and all of that sort of thing, uh, he does some good work. And this is a really good article about the background of Zelensky and his stable of Nazis and crazies and CIA trained goons who have been torturing and disappearing and assassinating anybody who opposes them. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse. I mean, Zelensky should have stuck to playing piano because you know, <laughs> he's, he, his, he's risen to a, a level where, uh, you know, it's, you don't know whether to laugh or cry that this guy, uh, somebody like him or somebody like Biden, for that matter, is, is running the so-called free world. Anyway, this this is a terrific article on the background of these horrific atrocities, such as the uh, apparent murder of Gonzalo Lira that we'll be talking about in a moment. So, yeah, Gonzalo went missing on April 15th, apparently that's the last anybody heard from him. I don't know. He's, I've followed some of his work. He's very personable. I mean, his style isn't really my style. I like things really concise, succinct, and written. And he kind of is long-winded and uh, and speaking and making these long YouTubes. But uh, it was really good information. And it was honest. I mean, he just happened to be over there because he was I guess he originally went over there to sort of chase Eastern European women and manosphere <laughs> blogging. And then he saw what was going on and he couldn't resist telling the truth about it. And he may have suffered the consequences.
1: Yeah. I mean, the fact that he basically said, um, if you don't hear from me in, in t- every 12 hours, then they they've got me. Uh, I would say that that's kind of a dead giveaway, unfortunately, because they, and there, there was that, uh, that one as a battalion guy, boatsman, or whatever he calls himself, that was making obvious references to, like, that they had him, and that they, that, uh, he was, he was being, uh, disposed of, and that while it's possible that that guy was just talking out of his ass, um it's, I don't uh, like the odds of this guy still being alive. It's unfortunate because uh I mean, I'm no fan of Manosphere bloggers, but as you said, he was giving some good reports from the ground and that's something that Western journalists are just not doing. Everybody is like armchair war reporting from New York or Los Angeles or wherever. And, or, or like Poland, and they'll, they'll, they'll do the thing where they stay in a hotel that's like kind of near where like the, the hostilities are going on, but uh, they don't want to actually get bombed, so they'll like have a green screen dropped in. Where Zelensky too is famous for like being Mr. Green Screen, and uh, well, he's an actor, so that's just what he does. And that's, I mean, I know we, that uh, you didn't give me a chance to comment on the last piece, but like supposedly he, he was uh, elected to go make peace with the Russians, and he tried to at least start to do that and the his pet Nazis were like, uh, dude, if you do that we're going to kill your ass and he's like, Oh well. <laughs> <Say hi>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um no I I don't I don't like the odds of this guy still being alive and that's really uh disturbing because I mean, the, he's an American citizen, right? So, like, uh, the U.S. theoretically should be uh, at least trying to find out what happened to him. Instead, they've they're, go, they're just going to the Chilean foreign ministry because he, they're more likely to actually do something. Well, because the
0: U.S. probably killed him, in the next slide yeah, exactly. is, that's
1: that's what I mean. U.S. allies, at least.
0: Well, not just U.S. allies necessarily. Okay. So, oh yeah, Daily Beast. Huh. Yeah, he he said, and uh, he not only did he say that if you haven't heard from me for twelve hours or more, then they got me. But he also said, if they get me, blame the Daily Beast. The Daily Beast is trying to get me killed. If I disappear, they're the ones that did it. Now, who is the Daily Beast? If you read this Veterans Today article, I posted a very short piece about him. But then the uh, editor, uh, Gordon Duff, a man of Western world uh, Intel Connections, uh, wrote his editor's preface uh, talking about the fact that the Daily Beast is Basically, that Zionist wing of the CIA, uh, the or neocon wing of the CIA, that works with Atlantic Council um, and these other h- hardcore, uh, you know, get Russia, you know, get the Muslims, uh, take over the world, these you know extremist types. That's that's who the uh, Daily Beast really is. They're they're fronting for the worst element of the Western intelligence community. So when they put out a hit piece on this guy, it was a hit piece, all right.
1: Oh, yeah, no, they, and they, Daily Beast can be counted on to take the worst possible position on pretty much anything, and they are kind of known now for this doxing stuff that they do, and, uh, did, I don't know, do we, did we, do we have a slide about the, uh, libs of TikTok woman, too, because, like, No, we missed yeah. that one. Yeah, they, 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 this is, this is now what journalism is. It's basically running around and like doxing people and trying to get them either fired, killed, or something. Just, or just ha- have angry mobs show up at their door. And yeah, in this case, the, the fallout could very well be fatal because the, these Nazis are not uh, playing around.
0: And whoever wrote this and edited and published it at the Daily Beast had to have known that that's what they knew. they knew. I mean, it looks like a signal. It's like a signal yeah. from the very top level of the US neocon command. Uh go ahead and get this guy. <laughs> you know, that's that's, that's just so disgusting. And so it's, it's speaking of Gonzalo Lear, you know, a little bit remind, you know, it reminds me a little bit of JFK in that, okay, so you've got these these womanizers who are kind of, you know, self-centered and you know bright and you know, a little bit charismatic. And they do their thing. But at some point, you know, JFK kind of woke up to his responsibilities. And in a sense, it's Gonzo L- L- Lira in a very vastly, you know, smaller scale kind of way did that too. He's over there in Ukraine. He sees. I can't imagine
1: on. JFK going around calling himself coach Red Bill.
0: Bill. Yeah. Okay. I can't either.
1: But. I mean, that's just a ridiculous name. The dude. I, I'm, I'm glad he started using his real name because you can't even say that phrase without just cracking up. At least I can't.
0: Yeah, I mean, the red pill metaphor has been used and abused, and I've used and abused it myself. But, yeah, Coach Red Pill <laughs> uh, t- giving you advice on how to how to chase women, I don't know about that. I, but he, he really morphed into a truth teller. And you could see, yeah. you know, you could really sense that he actually did care. He was disgusted by the lies, and he was trying to do something about it. So God bless him. And, uh, yeah, him and then
1: Patrick parts. Lancaster is the one they're going after now. And his reports have been great. I mean, he speaks the language. So he's out there talking to like random, uh, Ukrainians on the street and filming the bodies and everything. Like, uh, but now the, the same people who, who went after, uh, Lyra are going after Patrick Lancaster, which is very disturbing because yeah. they're just going to, this, this is basically the U.S. version of Murad Forrest now. Daily Beast is Murad Forrest.
0: Right. Well, at least here, we only, you know, get deplatformed. We get digitally killed, uh, and digitally tortured, uh, and, you know, accused of all kinds of horrible things and, you know, hit pieces and all of that. But it's all in the, in the symbolic realm for most of us here in the, in the West. But you go over to Ukraine and these goons, uh, will, will get you. You know, it's, it's terrible. Scott Ritter, uh, announced that he, uh, well, this was a little bit, uh, confusing because Scott Ritter at first supposedly confirmed that the Nazi the Ukrainian Nazis had gotten a Gonzalo Lira and that he was dead, and then he kind of walked it back a little bit and said, "Well, that's his assessment."
1: Yeah, the Euchro uh, Nazis said they got him and they said it was this Kraken unit, and yeah. but it's not like known whether that actually happened.
0: Yeah, so I guess there's still at least uh, some chance that he could be alive, and so <sighs> very doubtful. Yeah, probably a pretty small chance at this point. Um, it's, and it's just so pathetic that most of the Western people have been brainwashed into supporting these scumbags who killed them, but what are you going to do? Well, speaking of people who are getting doxxed and, and, you know, accused of things in such a way that they're being put in danger. How about Tulsi Gabbard? She actually had to send cease and desist letters to Romney and Keith Olbermann. Uh, it's like, they're trying to turn the U.S. into a U.S. Nazi style police state yeah. or somebody like Tulsi Gabbard, who just says some very moderate sensible things is being accused of. Treason. I mean, I I can accuse people of treason for supporting 9-11, for overthrowing the American Republic and instituting a horrific empire and on and on and on. But I don't think anybody's probably going to get hurt from what I say. But when these people accuse somebody of her profile of treason, that's pretty serious.
1: Yeah, I mean they're doing that to do their, to her. They're doing that to Tucker Carlson of all people, who's who's like pro, pro quote unquote pro Russian stuff is like so mild. It's really not. It's if anything, it's more even handed, which is something that you're not seeing on any of the TV networks. But um, yeah, it's uh, I'm glad that she at least sent a letter because most people would just like despair and just sit there and take it. But of course, just sending a letter is pretty much the equivalent of sitting there and taking it because these people don't have to answer to anyone and. If the, if they're doing what the government wants them to be doing, then they're just going to get to keep doing it. And they're doing what social media wants them to keep doing, obviously, because random people are getting labeled Russian state media. And I mean, I still have in my bio that I write for RT. And like, it's, um, I've had some interesting, uh, people come, come up on my mentions and just, you know, telling me that I'm a garbage human being for facilitating war crimes and whatever. And it's like, oh, have you guys ever actually read anything on RT? And the answer is universally, no.
0: Yeah, no, RT actually is far better than its Western competition. Uh, and that's just the reality. Uh, it's It probably bends over too far to be backward to be fairer and balanced and give the, the Western side of things uh, more than a fair shake most of the time. Uh, that's my my beef with RT is that they kicked me off because they became afraid of 9/11 truth, and that's but that's another story. In any case, uh, so Tulsi is pushing back. You got to push back when they come after you. And let's move on to Charlotte Dennett. She's been pushing back against the people who murdered her father back in was it 1946, seven something like that, uh, just as the U.S. was angling to take over the Middle Eastern oil racket. Uh, her father, Daniel Dennett, was the top U.S. on the ground uh, spy. And he was angling for a pipeline that would essentially trump everybody else, to, that would beat the, the Brits and the Russians and everything. And then his plane went down, and she's still trying to figure out who killed him. She's going to be on my show next week. And so this article is a really good analysis of the role of energy. In the geopolitics behind this war in Ukraine, and it points out something that you never see in any of the media, Western or uh, relatively pro-Russian or anywhere else, that Snake Island is sitting on these huge gas deposits in the Black Sea, and that Ukraine was going to try to kill Russia economically by moving into the gas business. You know, they are already taking these huge uh, kinds of, you know, gangster uh, cuts of the Russian gas coming through on those pipelines. The Nord Stream pipeline would have eliminated Ukrainian gas. Ukraine uh, and, and the neocons have now shut that down. And now they're fighting over the gas uh, around Snake Island. So this is a really good background article, one of uh, several long reads that we have in our lineup this week that are very much worth reading.
1: Yeah, no, this is definitely a good one because as, as you said, uh, that neither, well, I mean, the, the Russian side has gone, uh, RT has had a couple of pretty good, um, just explainers of what exactly it means that, uh, the U.S. and Europe are shooting themselves in the foot with this embargo and, uh, what exactly would happen to them if they tried to, like, exclusively fuel their countries on liquefied natural gas despite not having enough terminals to hold all of the gas that would be necessary. But uh, yeah, no, I was, I was not familiar with the fact that there was gas underneath the Snake Island. Although I, it's, it's really like ridiculous. The, the, the staying power of these bogus like memes that they try to insert into the narrative because that whole Russian warship go fuck yourself thing that never actually happened. And like the, the, the idea that, oh, they killed these guys because they they, they talked back to the Russian warship and. It's like, well, no, they didn't. They they were found safely and taken prisoner and whatever. But like, they're and actually they
0: surrendered like, abjectly.
1: Yeah, right. and 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 they they actually are selling sweatshirts that say Russian warship, go fuck yourself. I saw someone wearing one in my neighborhood, okay. and I was like, are you kidding me? You what wear, you're wearing, a, a t-shirt about a fake meme. Like, I get that you're proud to be Ukrainian or whatever, but like, you, you could at least find something that actually happened. To it's pathetic. It's just like t-shirt. wearing
0: a, a t shirts saying, you know, I'm a moron who believes the lies so that they brainwashed me with. I mean,
1: yeah, I, I believe the official story of 9-11. There you
0: go. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I guess I could sell those t-shirts, maybe, and try to fund the truth movement by putting uh, yeah, yeah, on the other side.
1: Put that out, put, I believe the official story of 9-11 on the front, and then on the back say, kick me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there you go. Okay, we got to copyright that quick. Uh, so, but seriously, folks... Uh, this uh, gas warfare, Wait, before we, before we move on from there, uh, the you know, talking about the whole pipeline situation and and pipeline politics. Uh, anyway, I guess go ahead read that long article. Well, yeah, we'll just move on. Whatever. Moving on to the the Satan missile. No, that's not what the Russians call it. That's what the uh, the anti-Russian propagandists call it in the Western media. It's actually the Sarmat ICBM, and its purpose is to beat the U.S. first strike system which is designed to try to take out Russia's missiles before they can be fired. And this is not takeoutable because it's got hypersonic glide vehicles that uh, simply can't be stopped by any, quote-unquote, defensive system. And, of course, the real purpose of these, quote-unquote, defensive systems is that, okay, if, if we, the Americans, were totally in a first-strike posture, hit first – We take out 95% of the Russian capability, and they've only got 5% left. They fire that at us. Maybe we can knock most of that out, and that way we can totally destroy Russia utterly, and they'll only maybe kill 30, 50 million Americans tops, and we won. Uh, So that's the whole purpose of that. But fortunately, the American first strikers probably can't even think of getting away with it anymore, thanks to things like this Sarmat ICBM that's getting all kinds of horrible play in the press in America.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the the fact is that they're, that they're trying to. I, I wrote a huge long article on my Substack about this, about how they're using this nuclear threat to distract from like all of the other stuff that they're going into. But um yeah, that the fact that they've they've basically re- brought us back to the era of duck and cover is pretty embarrassing for this for the species. I would say. I mean, I thought we had moved beyond this, but uh, yeah, no. It's and and the the fact that uh, the U.S. was supposed to test one of their Missiles. Um, I think the second week into the war, and then they said they, did, they weren't going to do it because they didn't want to, like, alarm Russia or anything. And then a few weeks later, they said, oh, yeah, we, by the way, we did it. And nobody kn- knew about it because we didn't want to piss Russia off. It's like, you know, I think Russia would have noticed if you were firing off hypersonic missiles, dude. Like, it, it's not like they aren't paying attention. So it's like they, they could just say that they fired off a similar type of missile because they want to avoid losing face in the quote-unquote international community. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think that Russia has them beat pretty well as far as weapons technology goes and for a fraction of the price.
0: And the Russians are trying to stay a step ahead of the things because in a couple of years, the U.S. is likely to have hypersonic weapons, too. And if they can stick them right up there on the Ukrainian-Russian border, then that's a, a, a much worse threat than the Russians face today. So part of this Ukraine invasion is an attempt to preempt what could be a NATO war on Russia. And anybody who says NATO is defensive hasn't noticed what's been going on for the past 20 years. But yeah. Think of the military-industrial complex. We should maybe call it the military-industrial-big tech complex because, as we see in our next slide, uh, we're hearing things like, well, obviously Google is totally CIA and is totally part of the propaganda team for the uh, neocon pro-Ukraine war on Russia. And now Google has been accused of blurring Russian or de-blurring Russian military sites, basically helping target them. Of course. And then they are denying that, of course. And it's unclear what the truth about this is, like so many other things. Uh, It's been blurred. Uh, So can you de-blur it for us,
1: Ellen? You know what else uh, Google blurs out? The location of Klaus Schwab's house. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well, yes, somebody posted the address somewhere and I looked it up and you can see it from the aerial view. But if you actually go down to Street View, there's just a big old blur where his house is.
0: Uh, well, there goes my plan to mm, better not say it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So the blurring situation is still blurry. But in the next slide, we know what's not blurry is. That big tech is an arm of the national security state, and it's so much so yeah, that the, yeah. national, the national security state says you have to keep it a monopoly. We can't have free competition here. We can't have capitalism. We can't have a free market because then we wouldn't completely control the entire infosphere. So this long list of intelligence experts, the same people who said that the Hunter Biden laptop was uh, had all the earmarks of a Russian disinformation operation, the same people are telling us we have to absolutely make sure that Congress doesn't pass. Any anti monopoly legislation affecting big tech. Okay, to me, that's a good reason to pass that legislation. How about you?
1: well i mean if you're a, if you 're a intelligence agency that lacks in intelligence, then of course, yeah, you want these things to be monopolies i I just find it very interesting that they went from oh no it's that they would never be like government control that's such a conspiracy theory. Anyone can just go and make any alternate platforms that they want and you like, compete in the free market and they did an immediate one eighty two well, of course, we tell Facebook what they can and cannot post. Why would we do anything else and Of course, that whole thing is just to confuse people and in, enforce cognitive dissonance and get people so terribly confused and pull the rug out under them that they cling to the state by default because that is the only thing that appears from their screwed up vantage point to be stable. But um, yeah, this is a good article f- for people to read who are curious about exactly uh, the relationship between big tech and um, big brother and the
0: one thing I didn't understand from this article is what excuse these intelligence officials are using to try to explain why big tech has to be monopolized. I mean, what positive spin can you possibly put on it? Uh Well, we, we have to totally control the influence. We have to make sure that we can totally brainwash you that all the information you see will be coming from us from Langley, Virginia. <laughs> you can't just come out and say that, can you?
1: Well, that's the thing is that they know that their propaganda is so bad that, like, it, um, they, they, they can't compete on a level playing field. I wrote, again, a long ass article about this. Hi, Imelda. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, uh, that they, they know they can't compete on the level playing field of ideas, so they have to completely cut off any competitors, and, uh, they've, they've done that the best they can. Of course, they say that, oh, well, Russia was really quick to, uh, remove access to, to American platforms. It's like, well, Russia only did that after American platforms deplatformed anything related to Russia, including the entire, like, archives of Chris Hedges' RT, uh, TV, television show and a lot of other people's shows too. And so it's like this idea that, oh, Russia, Russia's evil for blocking our, our like saintly Western platforms that are totally pro-free speech and would never possibly hurt a fly is uh, completely bogus. And uh, as usual starts the story halfway into the plot. So it's uh, not the case.
0: Well, your uh, article pointed out that they've really lost this info war when they say that, you know, we, we 're going to have to control all the information and put all competitors out of business, or else you know people are going to believe the competitors. Well, they must be pretty bad at whatever they 're putting out and Glenn Greenwald points that out in this next tweet <laughs> yeah, Greenwald uh, wonders why the CIA connected intercept, uh, which is of course totally funded by Ahmed Yar, the CIA connected uh, billionaire oligarch, was doing pretty well uh, up until eighteen months ago, and suddenly there was a precipitous downturn what happened 18 months ago glenn greenwald wonders uh, and of course that was when greenwald actually left
1: yeah. <laughs> although it's like he he did stick around and put and pro- provide cover for the memory hole in the snowden archives which is like i mean dude if you're sitting on that that bunch of documents for how many years now and you only release 5% of it i'm sorry you are not a credible uh resistance journalist but Whatever I mean, he's he's made up for some some shortcomings in various ways, and uh, he's at least that yeah that last article is good, and he is able to call out big tech. But uh, I I can never really trust him because of that whole uh, Snowden thing, and it's yeah I mean he he took millions and millions of dollars from Amidyar, who by the way was deeply involved in the 2014 uh, Ukrainian nazi coup, and uh, so that that part is missing from, although actually, you know, he probably did mention that somewhere in this, in the other article, but um, he would know at least because yeah, Amityar was knee deep in that.
0: Mm-hmm. I think he, he got tired of running uh, cover for these people and uh, they pushed him a little yeah. bit too far. They, they wouldn't publish his stuff on Hunter Biden's laptop. Yeah. Wasn't that it? Yep. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was, that was a bridge too far. And so he's become, uh, more of a hard-hitting truth teller. He's on Substack, which is uh, our platform. And I do recommend people should look for your platform. Are you up there at, at uh, are you Helen of Destroy?
1: HelenofDestroy.substack.com. Yep.
0: Okay. Yeah. Check it out, people. All right. Where are we now? We're going back to the, oh, this, this is the uh, Putin versus the billionaires thing. It used to be that the billionaire oligarchs in Russia were on Putin's side and they were all evil and corrupt, just like Putin. But now suddenly we're told that, Putin is persecuting the poor little Russian billionaires who will no longer be able to collect foreign currency dividends. Oh, poor little billionaires. What horrible human rights abuses coming from Putin these days? Uh, Are you going to start collecting your pennies to send to the Russian billionaires, Helen?
1: Well, I was. I wanted to try to buy some Russian oil stocks when they first put the sanctions, because like they were they they plummeted downwards and, and then immediately started going like sky high, and um, but yeah, they wouldn't let me. So like that that's not not really fair. I mean, if yeah, the, we, can,
0: we could have made out and funded false flag weekly news. For well, next, seriously,
1: I could I, I could buy my, my I could buy this building. I could buy all the buildings in this neighborhood. <laughs> kick everybody out now. I wouldn't kick everybody out. I would just kick some people out. But, um, <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, I have a friend who's heavily invested or he was in heavily invested in Russian energy stocks. And, uh, I checked in with him yeah. just, just when they crashed and said, Hey, man, you know, well, let's buy. <laughs> he loan me some money. So let's, let's buy. And, and he got back to me, said, they won't let me. I said, it's, it's all frozen. So, oh well. Uh,
1: yeah, no, they they want they want all the gains for themselves, obviously, which is just lame. I mean, come on, there's plenty to go around as far as like money from Russian oil is concerned.
0: Okay, so if you can't make a fortune by buying the Russian energy stocks right after Russia gets sanctioned, how about uh, joining the North Koreans who are hacking uh, Ethereum cryptocurrency from video gaming companies? That's how North Korea is financing its operations.
1: The FBI is so, like, low on ideas. I mean, come on, North Korea. You really think North Korea went into this video game that no one's ever heard of and stole like is there even it's a good story it's like a hollywood a story. Story. i wrote a, i wrote a story about it for RT. It's, it's it's not uh, i mean it it's completely bogus but it's a good story i mean if you like completely bogus made up shit well,
0: it's hard to tell what's going on in the crypto world because hey it's all
1: it's all encrypted well yeah but it's not like it's not like they can't see who's doing the transactions especially bitcoin people think bitcoin is like private no everybody can see what you're doing with your bitcoin and the government can steal it and the government probably has stolen it at some point um it's yeah the the, the idea that bitcoin is private is completely bogus um monero is private uh pirate i think there's a one called pirate coin which is private but um the, the whole crypto thing is largely just to pave the way for central bank digital currencies by getting all these privacy forward people on board who don't really understand how the blockchain works and um, getting them to be the cheerleaders for uh, central bank digital currencies, a.k.a. Fedcoin, a.k.a. no more cash ever.
0: Hmm. Okay, I'll have to have my uh, Bitcoin expert, Mr. Rowe, who's my producer on Revolution Radio, uh, discuss that because he's, he's made some of these points, but he's still kind of bullish on on Bitcoin and crypto generally. So we'll have to figure out um, what the privacy situation is, according to him. As
1: soon as there's an, an EMP attack, all your Bitcoin goes bye-bye. That's I mean, true.
0: Well, a whole lot of things go bye-bye when there's a big yeah. EMP attack.
1: But and, uh, the, the the idea of putting all your money in that is not wise, given the situation.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, so... Moving on to more uh, more evil, the, axis, the true axis of evil, of course, isn't North Korea and uh, whoever else they're blaming today, you know, Iran, uh, Saddam, whatever. The real axis of evil is the Zio-American Empire. And over in the heart of the Zionist part of the Zio-American Empire, they are storming the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the greatest and oldest Islamic architectural monument, and just beating people up firing tear gas uh and then when the kids pick up the rocks to fight back then they shoot them with live ammunition um they this week they once they lay locked a bunch of worshipers inside the ancient kibli prayer hall and then they threw tear gas in there i mean they just they just persecute these palestinians seemingly for no reason but i guess it's for just existing in Palestine, when for breathing their Russia. air, basically.
1: Yeah, for for breathing their air. I mean, they're taking advantage of the fact that all eyes are on Ukraine right now, and everybody is busy accusing Russia of war crimes to commit basically as many war crimes as they themselves can get away with. And um, I mean, they're they're very good at that. They've been doing it for more than half a century now, and uh, unfortunately. Palestinians are always the ones who get the short end of the stick. As you said, kid picks up a rock and he gets his knee shot out with a rubber bullet, which is just live ammunition coated with rubber. And sorry, that shit is still going to break your whatever part of your body that it hits.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hideous. Uh, And speaking of of hideous atrocities, uh, the the coup against Imran Khan in Pakistan kind of pisses me off. Yeah. Um, Imran Khan is actually a, a good guy. He's uh, an honest politician, which is an oxymoron. But in this case, it's it's true. And of course, that was his downfall. Uh, he did a whole bunch of things that the corrupt elites didn't like, in particular, the uh, West, the US, which has been in the habit of considering Pakistan as its colony. Uh, and now Pakistan is finally asserting a little bit of independence and Imran Khan was pushing it in that direction. And suddenly it's a, a CIA coup. They bribed some legislatures, got him tossed out. The same kind of thing they did to Jeff Whitlam in Australia in 1975 and many other uh, leaders in many other places. But he's not lying down. He's pushing back. And that's what you need to do when they come after you, you push back. So he brought out this cr- huge crowd of tens of thousands, maybe in hundreds of thousands of people in Karachi. And he's still stirring it up. And if you read the Western media on this, they're all like sending him like these warnings, basically, you know, back down, buddy, or else.
1: Yeah. I mean, he basically got told, that he, he claims to have the actual document from some uh, Washington diplomat saying like, well, we'll we'll stop being upset if we just can get this guy out and uh, obviously that 's not a direct quote but um yeah these the, uh, definitely got the 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 u s was responsible for his ouster for sure uh there's no is it, well, I find it interesting that no Pakistani prime minister has ever actually served their full five-year term. Though that's
0: and a whole lot of them have died. Yeah, uh, a lot of them the have died in weird accidents, and the Pakistanis say all of them have been killed by the CIA. Like, five, there's a list of like five of them that have all. I mean, them they, they C- definitely
1: C- want to keep them in line. They have nuclear weapons, and uh, the the idea of Pakistan and India together not falling in line with the U.S. and jumping on board with the Russia stations thing. Uh that's the, the Washington's worst nightmare because those two are supposed to be fighting all the time. And if they can actually agree on something and it's something that's not what the U S wants, then uh, yeah, CIA is not going to be happy.
0: Yeah. That's actually one of the reasons that the CIA and the, the usual suspects don't like Imran Khan is that he's actually been very reasonable. Uh, like, way more reasonable than he really should be uh, in dealing with India and sort of, you know, defusing Modi a little bit and preventing a nuclear war with uh, India. And, and so that's, you know, they, they want to divide and conquer. They want everybody yeah. at each other's throats. And he wouldn't do that. That's one of his many sins. Another of his many sins was challenging these so-called investment treaties that basically uh, take away a country's sovereignty. So the World Bank Uh, set for for the settlement of investment disputes can step in and order Pakistan to pay an Australian mining company, $6 billion in compensation for denying a mining permit on environmental grounds. So you can't protect your environment anymore because the multinational corporation will come in and steal your money if you do. And so Imran Khan said heck with that. And he pushed back against it. And that's another reason that they felt they had to remove him.
1: Yeah, that's uh, the the IMF is just a complete uh, terrorist organization at this point.
0: Yeah, John Perkins in Confessions of an Economic Hitman explained how it works. And you can just see this happening in place after place after place uh, all over the world as the empire tries to keep its stooges in power and honest people or people who care about their populations out of power. Uh, moving back to the heart of the empire, uh, the big news this week was the masks came off. Uh, people were 30,000 feet in the airplanes and suddenly the pilot gets on the intercom and says, ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement. The mask mandate is over. You can take your masks off and everybody cheers, except for the New York Times uh, writer Maggie Astor and people like her who all started freaking out and hyperventilating and uh, and pulling their mask tighter over their mouth. Uh, that's pretty funny. So this, this Fox article was actually kind of amusing.
1: Yeah, why don't they just wear like four or five masks? I mean, they can now that nobody else is wearing them, they can just get them for even cheaper and then to just load up on masks. Because, you know, they work, right? They work, right? So wear them, wear them, wear them until you can't breathe anymore, you scumbags. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. Like, I go outside and I still see people wearing these damn things on their faces after two years of bullshit nonsense. And, like, the, the the only growth industry in New York City, by the way, is COVID testing. I hope everybody knows that.
0: Right. Yeah, you see these people jogging with a mask on. You know, you see them driving, you know, one person in a car driving yeah. their car with the windows rolled up and with a mask on. Like, what's, yeah, what's right, this about? Riding
1: their bicycle with a mask on. Um, it's just so stupid.
0: If you, If you ask them, why are you doing this? And then if you could understand their answer through the mask, I can't understand the damn <laughs> thing anybody says to me when they're wearing a the mask. But if you could understand their a- answer, it would probably be, I'm doing it because the media told me to. And, and they are like, here's the New York Times and the next slide, the Washington Post, uh, had this long piece saying, it's you-,
1: so funny. <laughs>
0: you gotta keep
1: wearing that mask. This is this, It's so funny that, the, that people care so deeply about, well, in this circumstance, you can maybe get away with wearing it only, like, not quite over your nose. And in this, you can mask yourself, but you don't need to mask your child because your child is going to grow up oxygen deprived and be completely defective and unable to function as a normal human being, which is half the point of the childhood mask mandates. But. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's beside that's right, the those point. Those kids
0: are going to grow up to be good media consumers if they. Uh, if yeah, they're going to be
1: perfect for Klaus Schwab's uh, little um, utopia there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I guess somebody's reading the New York Times and Washington Post and believing this stuff, and they're probably really freaking out that everybody else is taking their masks off, uh, especially people watching False Flag Weekly News. Well, moving on to more COVID news that'll get us deplatformed if we try to put this on YouTube or any place like that. Uh, how about this? piece, was this what Robert Malone, uh, hoping hoping to get him on the show one of these days. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, he's
1: cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is great. So here he is telling us that the vaccine injury compensation system for COVID still hasn't paid out a single claim, even though vaccine deaths and injuries, according to the VAERS system, are off the charts, vastly greater for the COVID vaccines and for all other vaccines combined in all of history. There have been more than a million adverse events, 150,000 hospitalizations, 27,000 deaths, 50,000 permanent disabilities. And these are just the ones reported to VARES, which presumably has some underreporting factor. And we yeah. are debating about what that is. So there are a lot of vaccine injured or killed people out there, it appears. And yet not one single penny has been paid in compensation. Wow. This is the most litigious society on earth. If you stub your toe in front of somebody's house, uh, you can probably take their house. But if the vaccine makers put out poison and kill 27,000 people, according to Vares, or maybe more like 270,000 people, according to Steve Kirsch and others who've looked into it, then uh, you would think they would be paying out uh, fortunes, trillions. I mean, the whole net worth of all the derivatives bubble on Earth. But no, not a single penny.
1: Well, they get away with that. I was under the impression that Pfizer had a separate agreement from, or, or not, not Pfizer, but the COVID vaccine makers had a separate kind of agreement from the normal vaccine makers in that they couldn't be sued. I, I was under the impression, yeah, that, yeah, they've they
0: yeah. gotten, well, all the, I think all the vaccine makers got that.
1: Well, yeah, that, no, the the other ones that they can, well, they can be, yeah, actually, that, that that's
0: an incredibly no, they just contributed a few pennies to this compensation. Yeah,
1: this, but the, 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 but that the compensation system didn't apply for some reason in case in the case of COVID is what I'm trying to say. Right, I, yeah. I, How did that work? I mean, I remember when, I I remember when they said it and I remember thinking, gee, that's a big red flag. But of course, I mean, the media didn't report on it at all because why would they? And yeah, the Vera's numbers are underreported by a factor of, it could be as little as 1% of the total, as little as 10% of the total. No one can really seem to agree which one, but either way, it's a huge underreporting. And the idea that like just any old schmuck can come along and report something into Vera's is not the case. It takes like half an hour to put in all the details and you have to actually have some medical knowledge to understand what you're doing and like, so that yeah, this, this idea that Veris is just a bunch of crazy anti-vaxxers uh, casting aspersions on our our mighty our Lord and Savior Pfizer um, is not the case. And yeah, this is uh, these people really deserve to be compensated because uh, I mean, it, yeah, you, there were a lot of warnings out there, but they were completely drowned out by billions of dollars in propaganda.
0: I think the media, as well as the vaccine make- makers, should be compensating these people. You know, CNN, especially yeah. CNN. No, maybe, uh, yeah, actually, that might be an Chris Cuomo
1: saying six million people were going to die. Everyone, right. anyone remember that?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, if there are any lawyers watching our show, you know, you might want to consider uh, that even if the vaccine makers cannot be held liable, there has not yet been a law immunizing the media. So, if you want to sue big media for brainwashing people to get vaccinated and then having horrible things happen to them, and it really is the media's fault. Uh, I think certain juries might go along with that. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's mm-hmm. my bit of, uh, legal advice for the day. even though no, I'm not if, a if they can
1: get, if they can get money out of Remington, uh, gun manufacturer, if the Sandy Hook parents can get money out of Remington gun manufacturers, then, uh, vaccine victims can get money out of CNN.
0: That's okay. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. I hope <laughs> we report on an actual lawsuit along those lines ASAP. Okay, let's move on to the econ-apocalypse, which really exploded with COVID, of course. And now that COVID is over, all the pent-up demand uh, for far too few products because the economy's all shut down. And now we have this Russia-Ukraine situation, so there's no more energy coming out of there. There's no more food and wheat coming out of Russia and Ukraine, two of the biggest producers on Earth. So the global economy is just totally collapsing. This is the worst inflation since the bad old 1970s. And uh, how, what are we going to do about this? Well, some say raise interest rates. I think the Fed just did raise interest rates a a big chunk just today. Um, But uh, Andrew Yang says that people are blaming ordinary folks for getting their hands on a little bit of government money are completely crazy that in fact the ordinary folks only got like 15% of these bailouts. The rest of it went to the big fat cats and corporations. So I, I think Andrew Yang is probably right about that. What do you
1: think? Alan? Yeah, he's actually right about this. I mean, he's wrong about most other things, but, uh, <laughs> like yeah, <what>? <laughs> like literally everything. Um, his, like his. What? He ran for mayor in New York City and spouted a bunch of bullshit. I barely remember most of what he said because it was just so stupid. But he was a big fan of vaccine mandates. He was a big fan of lockdowns. Yeah, he's he's a total... No idiot, but um, okay. yeah. Like he ran for
0: president. He sounded slightly more intelligent than the, the rest of them, which isn't saying much.
1: Yeah, I, 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 of course. <laughs> if you get in, in a room with a bunch of grunting pigs and you you can form a sentence, then you don't sound like a grunting pig. Uh But yeah, he's correct on on this point. Uh, I would I would be surprised if if the ordinary people even got fifteen percent. I think it's much less than that. I mean, we are talking about trillions of dollars here, and uh the ordinary people got what a, a twelve hundred dollar check, a eight hundred dollar check, which I didn't get. And a $1,400 check, something like that. So um, that's really nothing in the grand scheme of things.
0: Well, it's not enough for us to drive the prices way up through the roof. And the, and the housing prices are really going out of control. And somehow I don't think these... You can thank little... BlackRock
1: for that one.
0: No, it's, it's the people with their $800 checks. Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're all buying $800 houses.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway... I, I, So Andrew Yang is right for once, and maybe he'll he'll want to use your endorsement as the uh, articulate guy in the room full of grunting pigs. That would be a good thing to put on campaign literature. But moving on from Andrew Yang. I can photoshop it for him. (laughs) Okay. Uh, To the fall of Western civilization. Riots in Sweden. Criminal gangs are targeting police, is what the headline says. But if you actually read it, it sounds like there are a lot of angry Muslims who are pissed off about a mass Quran burning from some provocateur, Rasmus Paladin uh, right-wing politician. So, uh, these burn the Quran and then, you know, have a riot and, and stoke the clash of civilization and take people's eyes off the ball from who's, who's really picking their pockets. That looks like what's going on to me. What do you think? Helen?
1: Yeah. It's uh, this, this whole thing is so predictable when they, when they do something like this, they they know what's going to happen next and they can use it as the basis for a stricter crackdown. And because Sweden didn't have the, uh, whole lockdown thing, then they're long overdue for uh, ramping up their police state. And this will certainly help because... Hey,
0: that's right. You can't get a COVID police state. How about a, uh, a riots in the street police state?
1: Good old uh, Muslim terrorists. The, Muslim we terrorists can, are back. We can fall back on on the good old uh, strategy.
0: Right. And uh, not to make excuses for people burning down whatever they're burning down over there. But one of the things I actually kind of like about Putin and, uh, and Russia is that they are not that crazy about people like Soros funding the pussy riders to go trash their sacred cathedrals. There's this idea in Russia that things that are sort of traditionally sacred should be respected. Left alone, yeah. Yeah. So if this was in Russia, the people trying to burn the Korans would probably find themselves uh, in real hot water and they would no longer be able to burn Korans. And so there wouldn't be any riots. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a good idea. Likewise, the people peeing on Jesus and things like that, all uh, this extreme decadence in Western civilization to the point that the only thing that's sacred is the Holy Holocaust and questioning you know, whatever else or even blaspheming the most sacred things is fine. I mean, the Western civilization has gone completely nuts. It's one of the many reasons that uh, Russia seems a lot saner to me than the West.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's basically the equivalent of a child smearing its feces on the wall and saying, hey, look at me, look at me. And the U.S. never grew out of this uh, this uh childish state because it, that having been the sole, quote unquote, superpower since the fall of the Soviet Union, they never really had to grow up. And so you have the people who are running the show now are so soft and so completely useless. And you've got someone like General Miley up there, like... Uh, championing pronouns for the military and whatever. And it's like, so we can spend billions and trillions of dollars to have the most expensive military on earth, but Russia can still kick our ass. China can still kick our ass. Hell Afghanistan can kick our ass. So like, I mean, yeah. We're good. Yeah, Western civilization is doomed. And, yeah, um, I think, absolutely. and if anyone hasn't figured that out yet, then I don't know what to, where, where well, you can. Well, well, if hiding. I haven't figured
0: it out yet, yeah, let's move to this next slide, uh, which is a terrific article from James Perloff, who was recently on my radio show asking, will psychopaths control the future? And looking at Klaus Schwab, Yuval Noah Harari and the World Economic Forum. It's a good summary of a lot of this great reset stuff that we've been talking about for the past two and a half years. So hats off to James Perloff for another really good piece.
1: Yep. No, this was a good, good article, and yeah, a good overview of these particular psychopaths. I mean, Harari in particular. I don't know where they dug him up from, but he's just like—I mean, talk about having a punchable face.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he—he he, he loves to talk about the useless humans, and as Perloff says, how how to keep them busy with drugs and games and Harari bestsellers. I mean, yeah,
1: seriously. <laughs>
0: how did this guy become a best-selling author when he has such contempt for ordinary people?
1: Because Klaus Schwab bought 200,000 copies of his books to give to all of his closest friends.
0: I tried to get him on the radio show and I actually got a response from his secretary in Israel and said, well, he's traveling right now, so he can't come on now, but maybe oh, later. Dude, so, wow, dude you I'm
1: totally crazy. interview him. That'd be hilarious.
0: It would be. Uh, maybe I'll try again. Somehow, I think, though, he'll they'll probably Google me. Uh, it probably. seems to happen sometimes. But in, in any case, so the question then is, okay, so we all know that the Great Reset, the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab are, uh, are part of that. And there's this future Western leaders grooming society where they groom them, uh, in God knows what ways, uh, to become little puppets. And we see the results with you know with 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 Merkel and, and Trudeau and on and on and on. Well, there's a certain contingent of the alternative media that says, Putin, Putin, he went to a couple of WEF meetings. He's part of it. He's part of it. James Perloff doesn't think so. He he says, wait a minute, the WEF has frozen all relations with Putin and Russia. And, and, removed, him from their and website. removed him from their website. So somehow I don't think he's on board with this great reset uh, World Economic Forum program. Uh, in fact, it looks to me like he's the most uh muscular person uh and Russia's the most muscular entity pushing back against it. Um, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are, some, there are some points at which it doesn't make any sense, like why they would be pushing for all the COVID controls and stuff. But um as far as like, is he in the same boat as Biden and Trudeau and all of these Build Back Better types? No, I don't. I don't see that at all. I, I I think that uh, it's very clearly breaking down, at least economically, into a situation of Russia and China versus the U.S. and its collapsing uh, allies. And, um, yeah, in this case, Russia is on the side of sanity and not Yuval Noah Harari.
0: Yeah, Harari, uh, his vision of the future is this extreme version of just let the oligarchs do any darn thing that they want. And what they're going to do is use technology to enslave everybody else and greatly enhance their own wonderful capacities. So
1: they're going to. So sorry, I guess I guess he feels too like he's too skinny for people to want to eat him.
0: (laughs) Oh, maybe that's it. So so that vision of where the future is uh, going—just let the oligarchs uh, totally take over, do any darn thing they want, buy and pay for all the politicians, and then you know run this empire until it becomes a globalized empire. Uh, That's the uh, the Western. Approach to things. The Russian approach seems to be more traditional, keep national sovereignty and then the nation looks out for everybody and kind of keeps the oligarchs under control. And you know, that's the thing about Putin is that he actually did crack down on the oligarchs over there a little bit. And that's what we need to do here, which is why I wrote that piece. So we need American Putin.
1: Yeah, the way, the way that he did it was, I think, very intelligent, was to take take their tactics of divide and conquer and use it against them. So t- take half the oligarchs, turn them against the other half, and have them, let you and him fight, and then uh, t- t- ally with the ones that come out on top. I mean, you can't, as one, one guy cannot take out the entire uh, apparatus of Russian oligarchy, just like one guy can't take out the entire apparatus of U.S. oligarchy, but... Um, Bernie Sanders it, could. Bernie Sanders can't do shit. Bernie Sanders can't even put his pants on without asking the DNC if it's okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. He, do, he doesn't quite have that kind of, you know, macho look of like Putin riding a horse without a shirt on. Or <laughs> Bernie would look pretty stupid doing that, wouldn't
1: he? He <laughs> would definitely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Although he supposedly plays good basketball. or he, I don't know if he still does. I want to I want to play Bernie Sanders at basketball sometime. We'll have like the, the best uh, old guy's basketball one-on-one game <laughs> and raise a bunch of money for false flag news. If I can ever talk Bernie into it, but I probably can't. So, <laughs> that said, uh, what's our last story today? Oh, it's the COVID-themed candles oh, for Greek no, Orthodox no, no, no. Easter.
1: No. <laughs> so, if like...
0: you're if if you're not yet tired of worshiping COVID symbols, which we've been doing for the past two years, you can convert to the Orthodox Church and light little COVID candles of COVID, COVID-shaped whatever the COVID virus or the COVID test or the COVID vaccine syringe, and you can light these little candles. And uh and feel all safe and warm and fuzzy. Even if you're not wearing a mask. I don't know. You better wear a mask.
1: Yeah. Why don't they have a mask shaped candle? I, I did. I did find it interesting in this article that they, they mentioned that the Pfizer one was like the most popular last year, but that this year it's not. I'm wondering if that just means that enough people have dropped dead from the actual thing that they can't like sell the candles anymore.
0: I I could say something about how how Christians have this thing about crucifixes, and the crucifix was an execution device, and so they could uh, start worshiping this vaccine needle as another execution device uh, with this new COVID religion. The COVIDian cultists might start doing that, but I I shouldn't say that because that sounds like I'm, I'm putting down Christians, and actually some of my best friends are Christians. I love Christians, and in fact, I totally respect the Christian religion, so there are my obligatory disclaimers about Christianity. On the other hand, I don't know about lighting these COVID candles, that just seems a little weird to me, but... Yeah, what do I know?
1: Then the one looks like an apple, like a candied apple with like random stuff sticking out of it. So somebody's gonna eat that. And then, I mean, I, don't <laughs> know. I wonder if
0: anybody made candied apples on Halloween with these COVID shapes. Uh, uh, they didn't.
1: They should have. They could made a lot of. They could have made a lot of money selling them.
0: Okay, and we could probably raise money for false fake news by selling that kind of stuff, but we won't because we are not taking that kind of sponsorship because we are independent. And uh, we're not in a war zone, so Gonzalo Lira's fate uh, probably won't be ours real soon. Uh, you know, Unless right they keep-
1: nuke New York. I'm kind of hoping they do, but, like, it would suck because I would get blown up. But it would be good in the grand scheme of things.
0: Well, if they're about to do that, please come come visit us here in Wisconsin, and uh, we'll uh, try to dodge the fallout. Uh, yeah, the world's getting crazier and crazier. And, and Helen, uh, you better come back again uh, sooner and, you know, not stay away for so long because – You know, if you stay away for very long now, God knows what's going to happen before you come back.
1: Oh, yeah. I I want to be here commenting on World War III for sure.
0: Okay. Well, it'll be good to have you back, whatever you're commenting on. Uh, I really enjoy doing the show with you. So thank you. And
1: uh, appreciate your
0: great work over at helenofdestroy.substack.com. This is Kevin Barrett of com, And there's your (laughs) – hold hold it a little longer so they can actually see it. Yes. Uh, PayPal me, She Rapture. Whoa, that's pretty yeah. good. Sure. You have some of the coolest monikers of anybody out there. And if people can't read that, they can just hit the pause button and then they can yep. read it. All right. Well, thank you to all our viewers and sponsors, fans, and uh, and people who hate us but haven't killed us yet. Uh, we thank you <laughs> from the bottom of our hearts. And See you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye.